You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, whtt.org. And now... Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to talk about a subject that is really known by very few people except the Palestinians. We're going to talk about the Nakba. And the Nakba is the Arabic word for the catastrophe. And this refers to the 1948 expulsion of over 750,000 Palestinians from their homes And it was over actually 500 of their villages that were destroyed by the Zionists in the formation of the state of Israel. And the reason we're talking about the Nakba today is to mention the North American Nakba tour. And now this is a a tour that was organized by the Free Palestine Movement the International Solidarity Movement, and El Awada, the Palestine Right to Return Coalition. Those are the national sponsors. They're sponsoring a tour, and they were very, very fortunate to find a Nakba survivor. Her name is Maryam Fathala. She is now 86 years old, and she is a remarkable woman. Now, she only speaks Arabic, and she was accompanied by a 22-year-old woman whose name is Amina Ashkar. And both of these Palestinian ladies are residents of refugee camps in Lebanon. Also, they are stateless persons. They have no citizenship. Amena was born in the camps, and she is the great-granddaughter of Nakba survivors. And so they're going around the country to tell their story, to give a little more insight, because as we've said so many times, the dialogue here is in the United States is so slanted towards the Zionist narrative According to the Zionists, the Palestinians left on their own free will. And this is a lie from the pit of hell. And Miriam Ataya addresses this in her talk, and we'll talk a little bit about that. And there still is a desire to return to Palestine. Let me read this quote from uh, the first Prime Minister of Israel, David Ben-Gurion, quote, we must do everything to ensure they, the Palestinians, never do return. The old will die and the young will forget, unquote. Well, yes, the old are certainly going to be dying in the next few years here. And uh, the young, fortunately, have not forgotten. They do not forget. It's in their DNA, and this was evidenced by 
the comments made by Amena Ashkar, the 22-year-old girl that uh, acted as a translator for Miriam. And so the story is just very, very compelling, ladies and gentlemen. And we want to also talk about kind of a related subject here. But first, how we got involved in this, we hold these truths, and the Arizona-Palestinian Film and Arts Festival went together and were sponsors for the stop here in Phoenix, Arizona. And we were fortunate to team up with the Islamic Community Center of Tempe, who hosted the venue for us. And we were so grateful to the imam there for allowing us to come in and use their wonderful facilities. So the event was, we think, very successful. And one of the things that will even make it more successful, there was a young man, his name is Samir Salim, and he's kind of unique because he's half Palestinian and half Colombian. His father is Palestinian, and his mother is Colombian. Now, Samir is actually a motion picture company. It's called Cinemonger. He's a producer and director, and he found out about the Nakba tour through social media, and uh, there was an appeal for a driver. They're actually driving the ladies around in a very nice, comfortable van. Samir actually is documenting the whole trip, and this will hopefully be magnified. They're hoping to get some news media agency. We don't expect any of this to be on Fox News, ladies and gentlemen, as you can well imagine. But what they're doing is quite remarkable, this concept of educating people and letting the voiceless Palestinians have a voice here in America. It's still a weak voice because Americans just don't care. We are so blinded by so many things, and for most part, they don't care or they don't even know. And so we're looking to appeal to people to the human side of of the issue here and the suffering that they have. And in the talk, Amena mentioned there's several refugee camps in Lebanon. First of all, again, these are stateless people. They do not have passports. They uh, have no country. They were able to get out of the country with travel documents, and that was a hassle more so on the U.S. side to get visas for them. And so Amena has a short video, and we're going to have that available about her refugee camp in Lebanon. And it has the permanent residents are about 25,000. And this is an area 900 meters square. Now, what that is, that's if you put three football stadiums together, that would be 900 meters approximately. So it would be three football stadiums long by three football stadiums wide, housing 25,000. Plus, there are another 25,000 Palestinian refugees from Syria that are living there. So they've doubled it. And so these are very, very, very crowded conditions. We can't comprehend the density. And uh, Amanda, one of the things that uh, she's a very intelligent woman. She has a number of jobs that she does. One of them, she works for a Palestinian TV station. 
Now, it's really kind of interesting. I didn't know this. In uh, Lebanon, there are 72 professions that the Palestinians cannot practice, lawyers, teachers. But one of the ones they can practice is working for a Palestinian TV station. So they're very restricted in what they can do. Amena recounted the story of a young man that she knew that wound up in despair committing suicide because he had no options. He felt he was going to be a burden. And these are the kind of things that we see. Now, we want to also talk about an article that Craig Hansen wrote. This article is entitled, Israel is a liberal democracy that shares our value. And we asked the question, are these examples of our shared value? And so Craig came up with a very interesting comparison here. Craig, why don't you tell us a little bit about this comparison and the, the idea behind it? Yes, Tom. Uh, thanks for mentioning the shared values. How this came about, I was watching the uh, presidential candidate kowtowing to APAC and all the things that they, they were saying, and it was pretty nauseating just listen to the different candidates try to gratiate their hearts into all the APAC members. Ted Cruz was the one that just put me over the top. He just got out there, and, of course, everyone was clapping and cheering as he would say this. You know, it was a direct quote. It says, Israel is a liberal democracy that shares our values. And, of course, everyone claps and applauds and so forth and so on. And what triggered my mind about this, what kind of shared values are we talking about here? Of course, what came to mind was what we did to the Native Americans in this country and just pushed them off their lands, took away their, their livelihoods with the buffalo. It, it was terrible. I mean, I think of the blankets we gave them laced with smallpox. It was just a disaster. And what gets me is that the moral people, they, we were considered a, a Christian nation back then, but yet the people, the church didn't rise up and say, no, this is wrong. I'm sure some people probably did. I don't know my early history with the Native Americans and the churches, as far as what they did. But obviously, when it came to the political side, there was no stopping the westward expansion. And, of course, that immediately reflects to what happened in the Nakba, like you mentioned, Tom, in over the 750,000. And that doesn't get any play at all. What you always hear about is, is the Jewish side, what happened to them and so forth, and how terrible that was. And, yes, it, it was indeed terrible. For example, t- uh, tomorrow night, uh, Irving Roth is going to be speaking. He's a Holocaust survivor. He's going to be speaking in California. And all the fanfare and the public, the PR, and the, the church is going to be filled. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a big deal. But when you get uh, a lady like this that's been exiled from her homeland and for generations by the, the Zionists in 1948, you know, she barely even get into the country. So it's a really a sad commentary. But, you know, again, that is uh, it's a shared value that I don't think most people in this country want to share uh, with anybody because it's an embarrassment. It's a, it's a black eye on the history of America, and we're watching this happen in Israel on our watch. And why we hold these truths exist is to wake up the evangelical community to say we have no business supporting these practices in this nation of Israel, and to say that this is God's will and so forth and so on. It's tantamount to idolatry, in my estimation. It's wrong. It's not biblical. It's immoral. It definitely doesn't look like Jesus. And it's time for this, this shared value to be broken in this nation. Yeah, thank you, Craig. Well, I want to add just a little bit about Miriam's story that she recalled 
at the Nakba Tour event here in Phoenix. She was 18 years old. She was married at the time, 1948, and they lived uh, on the Mediterranean. Her family had orchards there, and when the war started, she told the story of how they were expelled, and they had people that worked for them that took the fruit to the market. They were attacked and killed by the Zions. And so they used targeted killing like this as examples. And then the Zionists sent in Arabic speakers to scare the people that the, that these people were killed and that you needed to run. And so the narrative that we hear from the Zionists today is that the Palestinians left on their own free will. And from our little article, this comparison of the uh, atrocities against Indians and in Craig's paper here, one of the examples of the atrocities was the uh, 150th anniversary of the Sand Creek Massacre in Colorado. And uh, the eastern half of the state was built on coerced session of the Arapaho and Cheyenne homeland. And it was kind of interesting in the, in the article from the paper, the Denver Post, they've got a picture of Cheyenne Chief Warbonnet. And this was taken during a visit to um, Abraham Lincoln, obviously in Washington, D.C. And he was slain uh, in 1864 out in Colorado. So getting to the Israel issue, the Israelis and Zionists have claimed that the, again, that the Palestinians left on their own free will. But according to a article in Haritz, we'll have a link to it called Catastrophic Thinking, did Ben-Gurion try to rewrite history? The file in state archives claims contains clear evidence that the researchers at the time did not paint the full picture of Israel's role in creating the Palestinian refugee problem. And also what happened, there were over 500 villages destroyed, and Miriam recounted that one of her relatives went back to find the part of the village destroyed, and also one of the uh, houses that was owned by relatives but that was taken over by the Zionists, and it was turned into a museum using the possessions of the Palestinians. And so we see this uh, narrative that has been whitewashed for over 68 years. And Israel is still continuing to deny this and deny the rights of return for Palestinians. On the other hand, if you have any Jewish grandparents, you are instantly eligible to go to Israel, and in a matter of no time, you'll get your citizenship. As our book that we published here, We Hold These Truths, One Nation Under Israel, which was actually published originally, Holocaust II, Saving Israel from Suicide, this was written in 1990. It's actually be, becoming very prophetic because What we see here at We Hold These Truths, and many people do, is that the policies of Israel is really creating a situation that looks like suicide.
This is Chuck Carlson, and I've been listening, and this is very interesting. A few years ago, we had a very similar experience with a wonderful lady named Selwa Baker, and her name was really Baker, and her Palestinian name was Selwa. She changed her first name to Emily when she finally came to the United States. She lived in a city that became part of occupied Israel in the divided Palestine in 1948. She was at 17 or 18 at the time, and so she remembers very clearly what happened in her city called Haifa. You'll find it on the Mediterranean, up very close, not very far from Lebanon. And uh, Emily told us the story, and we have this on the tape, of how her family went out because of a commotion in the neighborhood and found that the neighbors were being bodily thrown out of their house by Israeli settlers who had come off of boats from Europe and had simply come in and started taking over the homes. And while they were outside the home looking after the neighbors, they found the European Jews, who were to become called Israelis, enter their own house, occupy it, and throw them out. Uh, she became a refugee in the street on the spot. Her father was an educator. They were a Christian family. He taught in a Christian school. And Emily Baker and her father were lucky enough to have a little money, were able to book passage on a crowded steamer that went up the coast of Lebanon, and she too ended up in a refugee camp in Lebanon. So we've heard a similar story from a lovely lady who's still alive today, we think, about this very thing, and it's more than touching to hear this account of how this is done. So we hope that you will look up uh, the, the nearest visit uh, the Nakba tour to you and drive, if you must, or, uh, to hear these people. You'll find it to be, I'm sure, very worthwhile to go and, and actually hear the firsthand story of what it's like to have your home taken away from you and become a refugee on the spot. Ladies and gentlemen, you can actually find more information at freepalestinemovement.org. That's the website of the organizers of the national tour. Anyway, we thank you for listening, and we hope that we at least stimulated you to do some more investigation, learn about what the Nakba was and the suffering that has been experienced by millions of Palestinians. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcasts. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also, at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small think big, and press on towards the straight gate.